we want to continue. This is week four in our series on the power of your identification in Christ. Do you know you're identified with him? It's amazing. It's amazing what he's done for us. When you get a revelation of who you are in Christ, you will begin to taste as never before the freedom that Christ has given you. Because we are truly free. We are truly free. Well, we made a couple statements just to kind of get us up to speed a little bit. This series is so very important. It's almost seamless with our Sunday series where we're talking about the authority of the believer. Talking about the delegated influence and authority that we've been given in the name of Jesus. Well, we can't operate in that if we don't know who we are in Christ. You have to know that your complete identity comes from Christ. It, it, it comes from his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. You were identified with him. So we're going to talk more about that tonight. Hallelujah. The Lord says he's just going to just, there's going to be some things said that's going to change your life. So have ears to hear this evening. I'm telling you, in these series, God wants to build strength in you so that you walk in full and superior dominion in all the affairs of your life, in all the circumstances of your life, no matter what you face. And in the midst of all of that, direction will come, clarity will come, because the word of God will always be a light to your path, it'll be a lamp to your feet. So we said this again, my complete and total identity comes from Jesus Christ, mine. Here's a big thing that happens to you when you begin to walk in this. You will no longer get your identity from your body. Do you know how many people get their identity from their body? Man, I've just got to look good. I've got to just look perfect. Or I've got to change this about me or that about me. Or if I wear the right clothes or if I live in the right neighborhood or drive the right car, that defines me. And it does not define me at all. My complete and total identity is in Christ. We said this in the past. We discover who we are as we see who he is. So we have to have revelation knowledge of this. Not just mental assent, but revelation knowledge that I was literally made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. See, Jesus Christ doesn't just give you life. Jesus Christ is your life. Amen. Right? This is very important that we get this. Christianity, remember we said this. We've said this almost every time. We might continue to say this every service. Christianity is not about you living for him. Christianity is him living through you. That's what Christianity is. Religion 
is you trying to live for him. Right? Because then you'll be all about titles and what you do and, and, you know, if your Bible cover looks just right and if you, you know, you could quote some scripture. No, no, no. It's about him living through you. So Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Let's turn there. Galatians 2, 20. Paul gives us an incredible definition. And he, he's speaking, he's confessing his own life. He's talking about our identification with Christ. In his what? Crucifixion. In his burial. In his resurrection. In his ascension. Paul said this, I am crucified with Christ. In the Greek language, it would read literally like this. I have been and am crucified with him, with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but then he goes into it, yet not I, but it's Christ that lives in me. And now this life which I live in the flesh, I live it by what? By the faith of the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. This is huge. Now remember we said identification means to treat or to consider as one in the same. When Jesus was crucified, I'm identified with that. I was crucified that day. When Jesus was buried, guess what? That old man was buried. When Jesus was raised, guess what? A brand new man was raised with him. And now, when Jesus left this earth and was seated at the right hand of his Father, far above all principalities and powers, guess what? I'm seated with him as well. Identical. That's what we're talking about. You have to realize, as he is, now so are you and I in this world. And there's no devil on this planet. There's no Satan on this planet. There's no principality or power that can stand against you in Christ. Right? We have to know that. You were treated with his condition. Why? Because he was treated with your condition. What was his condition? Righteous. What's your condition? Our condition was spiritual death. Wow. You could even go a little further. What was his condition? Overflowing wealth. What was our condition? Poverty and lack. What was his condition? He was made sick. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. You know, Jesus never had a sniffly nose. No. Do you know the only reason why he died on a cross? The only reason why it's even possible is because you were crucified with him. They couldn't have killed him. He laid his life down. How did he do that? He took upon yours and my death. It's the only, that's the only way he could have died on that cross. That's how come he told Pilate. Pilate had no understanding. Pilate was thinking natural. When Jesus said, listen, no man takes my life. 
He had no idea what he was saying. He was saying, listen, I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to literally receive the sin, the sickness and disease, the spiritual death, the poverty and lack, the whole weight and judgment of all the curse of the law. I'm going to take it all upon myself so that now we could be made the righteousness of God in him. That's what we're talking about. Everything that Jesus did, he did for us. What that means is everything that Jesus did, he did in our behalf. This is identity. This is, see, look at what the enemy, look at how the enemy today, I mean, look at, look at him. In the Garden of Eden, he was doing the same thing. Surely God didn't say. Right? What did he say to Jesus? If you be the son of God. Now look at what's happening in society today. With all this gender stuff, Satan is after the identity because he doesn't want people to know their identity. This is the strength of a child of God. Because we are to grow and know who we are in Christ. Right? This is huge. The Bible, never forget this, is a legal document. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. It's a legal document. In other words, when you go throughout your day, make sure that you are carrying your legal ID. This is my legal ID. This is my legal identification. Right? When sickness tries to come, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. My ID tells me that I'm free from the curse of the law. I've been redeemed from sickness and disease. When poverty and lack comes, I've been redeemed from it. Has no legal right. This is huge. Will you carry some legal identification with you? This is who I am. This is what I have. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus, I've been washed. I've been justified. I've been sanctified. And because of all of that, now I have access 24-7 into the very holy of holies, into the very presence of God. I am actually in Christ. Isn't that amazing? Now I could receive everything that have been given to me in Christ. I could receive everything. Why? Because now I have access. I'm a child of God. That's why he says, if you ask anything according to my will, I hear you. And if you know I hear you, right? You know you have the petitions you've asked. All the promises of God are in Christ. Yes, and in Christ, so be it unto me. This is identity. We've been granted identical status with the Father, the same identical status that Jesus himself has. Why? Because we're seated together with him. Now, are you God? No. But you sure are his son. Right? We have identical righteousness as Jesus. We have identical authority because he's given us his name. He gave us power of attorney in his name. Identical authority. We have identical blessing. 
We are a co-heir, the Bible says, with him. Do you see how you have to renew your minds to this? Because we still have people that are afraid to tithe. They're afraid to forgive. Some people are just, they're stuck in fear. Why? Because they don't know who they are in him. Right? We're identified again with his death, with his burial, with his resurrection, with his ascension. So here's a couple scriptures that just talk about this. Go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. We are identified with his crucifixion, with his burial, with his resurrection, and with his ascension. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 says this. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted, this Greek word for planted means, for if we have been united, if we've been united together, in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, verse 6, knowing this, the Greek language, it would literally read, keep this always at the front of your mind. So in other words, he's saying always be thinking this way. Always be, this is the filter Keep this at the front of your mind. Knowing this, what do I keep at the front of my mind? That our old man is, what? Wait, time out. No, no, no. Is. Remember how we talked about that? You would think it would say was. Because Jesus was crucified. But our old man is crucified with him. Is. So that old man nature, that, it, that rare, see, it's not in your spirit, but it, you still have that nature in your flesh. We haven't got our glorified bodies yet. God is wanting you to know that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, that means from this time on, you should not serve God sin so when your flesh wants to do something you just simply go no is it that easy it is that easy now i'll date myself but there used to be this tv show called remember sanford and son flip wilson the devil made me do it no the devil can't make you do anything we always choose most Christians don't realize because their feelings, they just, they, that, that, that flesh seems so strong. The only reason why it seems strong is because you're being deceived. It has no strength. It, it, according to this, the body of sin might be destroyed so that now you never have to serve it. Never have to serve sin. Wow. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Look at this, another scripture that says we're identified with his 
crucifixion, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Ephesians 2.1, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. In other words, hath he quickened means he made you alive. You were dead, but now you're alive. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2, jump down to verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, Christ has quickened, or God has quickened us together with Christ. In other words, I am made alive with Christ. I am made alive in Christ. By grace are you saved and hath raised us up together and he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Isn't that amazing? He's made us to sit together in heavenly places. Sit together? Do you know there's no record of an angel sitting around the throne of God? Because they're not royalty. Only royalty sits. And you and I are royalty. But think about it. If your mom or your dad in an earthly state were royalty, guess what? You would be born into royalty. This is the real Ancestry.com. It really is. It really is. Man, we're going to get into some things where we're not even to know each other after the, after the flesh. Do you know we can't even know Jesus after the flesh? We only know him after the spirit. We're not even to know each other after the flesh. We know each other after the spirit. Isn't that amazing? It's the way we live. See, because we get all caught up in the flesh. Don't let your body tell you what your future is. Right? Don't let your past tell you what your future is. Let God, your creator, tell you what your future is. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, past tense, blessed us with how many? With all. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Again, everything that Jesus did, he did for us. In other words, Jesus set everything to our account it is exactly the same as if we did it it's like we were there that's how real this is every one of these verses that i've been talking about this is talking this is under the context of substitution he took our place but i am identified with that substitution means that Jesus loved me, that Jesus loves you, and he gave himself for you. So don't let anything that the enemy wants to do in your life, don't let him do it. You decide. You have authority. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Boy, you could just sit there and think about that. That's amazing. All we had to do was simply believe. Wow. So, 
one of the unique. Now, if we take an aerial view of the Apostle Paul's writings, we call them the epistles. If we take an aerial view, one of the unique things about the Apostle Paul's revelation that was given to him directly from Jesus is our identification with Christ. He talked a lot about it. So here's the thing. In the four Gospels, we see a description of the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. Right? We see a description of that. In the four Gospels, we see a description of that. We see what man saw. Jesus died, he was buried, and he was raised from the dead, and he ascended into heaven. In other words, the four Gospels give us a photograph of redemption. Okay? But in Paul's letters, the epistles, we see that there, that, or that we were there in the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension. In the Gospels, we see Jesus. But in the epistles, we actually see deeper into it. We see that we were there with him. This is huge. This is why most theologians, they can't figure out Paul's epistles. Because he always talks about this pneuma stuff, this spirit stuff. He's like, he's a little pneuma, he talks to a big pneuma, and you know, there's all these pneumas, and, and you know, we're led by the pneuma. Well, I just don't get it. Well, yeah, you have to understand that you're not a body, that you're a spirit. But in Paul's letters, we see in the epistles, we see what God, what the angels, what Satan, what the demons, what the fallen angels, we see what they saw. That's what we see in the epistles. We see what they saw in the unseen. In other words, what? The epistles are not a photograph. They are an x-ray. They are an MRI. See, as you look at me, you know, I have a heart, but you can't see it. But if, you, if we do an MRI, you could, I think, can you see it in an MRI, right? Yeah, okay. So in an MRI, you could see that. I had an MRI done on my back a while back, and I could see every disc. I could see all the stuff. That's what the epistles are. They show things from God's perspective. They show you the unseen. You have to know that. See, isn't God amazing? He wants you to not only know things on the outside, but he wants you to know things from the inside out. Why? Because everything for us is from the inside out. You're not to be ever led by the outside, only to be led by the inside. Same picture, we're just seeing into it. Same event, we're just seeing into the event. You're not just seeing Christ. Okay, get this. You're seeing in Christ. Boy, you got to get that. My spirit man has so many goosebumps on it right now, I could barely talk. Come 
and I feel like I'm just barely scratching the surface of this thing. Talk to me in 100,000 years, and I'm going to be going, oh my gosh. Right? I'm not just seeing Christ now, I'm seeing in him. It's why I love to put the word first. It's why I live in the epistles. I'll live in them, because I need to see this. This shows us who we are. It shows us what we have. It shows us what we can do in Christ. In other words, it shows us our identity. We have to see this. God, in his resurrection plan, was working in Christ. How did God save us? God saved us by doing the work in Christ and then placing us in Christ. That's what happened. Everything you are as a Christian is because you are in Christ. Well, now wait, Pastor, you know, I went to a really good seminary and I went to a really good Bible school and I sat under some of the best Bible teachers. Okay, whatever. That versus Holy Spirit. Wow. Right? So that's why there's no boasting. You could go to 20 years of Bible school and not see anything. Or you could spend an hour with the Holy Spirit on one scripture and it just keeps, that, that MRI, that x-ray, it just, you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. You're like, wow. Right? Ephesians 2.10, look at what it says now based on just what we've seen. This is the MRI, this is the x-ray. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We're not created by good works. No, no, we're, because we're created in Christ, it will produce good works. But we're not created by good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, we see in the epistles, one man, Adam, got us in this mess, but one man, Jesus, got us out of the mess. So right now, as you're sitting here tonight, there's no mess for you. You could say, now, wait a minute, Pastor. My life is kind of a mess. No, it's not. No, 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 no. You just need the light turned up a little bit. You, you just need to see things as they really are, not as they seem. Because there's nothing Satan can do to you that God cannot turn around and make it as if it never happened and make it better than it's ever been. Total restoration. Do you know all throughout the Bible, God says this over and over and over again. Every time he says it, he says the word behold first. He never says, behold, I make all things better. Nope, he makes it. He goes, behold, I make all things new. New. I'm so glad he didn't make me better. Because, you know, if something's really lousy and you make it better, it's still, you know, yeah, no, I, I, I don't want to be improved. I want to be new. In other words, guys, we were immersed. Boy, it's hard for me to say this because the Lord was just, he's like, write this down. So I was writing down a lot of stuff. We were immersed 
We were crucified. We were buried. We were united with him in death. We were united with him in the resurrection. We were raised to newness of life, freed from sin, and now live in him. That is who you are. That is who you are. We must know this to know who we are in him so that we can walk in our freedom that we've been given by God. This is talking about, it's talking about positional truth, not temporal truth. Temporal truth is behavior. If you live in the temporal truth reality of your life, if you do something good, you'll feel good about yourself. But when you mess up, when you do something stupid, you're going to feel bad about yourself. But if you live in positional truth, first of all, you won't mess up very much. Maybe not at all. When you live your life, I mean, when, when you do something, a behavior that's contrary to that, your spirit will go, whoa, time out. We're not doing this. And you'll walk free from it. When you know you're righteous, you'll walk holy. But if you're not walking holy, it's because you just don't know you're righteous. Because you don't work for your salvation, you work out your salvation. See, Satan tries to steal this from us by getting us to think in temporal truth. Do you notice when Satan comes to you, what does he talk to you about all the time? You're believing God for something, what, is, what will he do? Well, how, how is that going to happen? How? And, and, you know, by the way, why hasn't it happened yet? Which has to do with what? The how. How's his deal? I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm healed. I've been healed for, gosh, 90, almost 2,000 years I've been healed. I was healed way before I ever got sick. Or let me get it right. I was healed way before my body ever got sick. And because of who I am in Christ, I have a legal right to stand up and say no. Symptoms, you got to leave my body. Disease, you got to leave. You cannot kill me. Why? I bind you in Jesus' name. I'm not standing on my own merit. I'm standing on who he, what he did. See, God did all this stuff in Christ, and then I was created in him. See, it's just who I, it's, it's who I am. I am not what I do. So Satan will try to get you all into temporal truth. Don't you be going to God today, because, hey, you know, hey, oh, you know, wait, you're, you're, at, a, you're at a place, you, you can't minister to that server right now, because you, you know, you haven't been in the word enough today. Like, like, like a supernatural ministry of the Holy Spirit in some lady or some young man's life is dependent upon the 15 or 20 minutes that you spent in the word this morning. No, 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 no. Don't live like that. That's temporal truth. You will literally mess up every time. You'll shut your mouth and go, yeah. And, and, but if you're a charismatic Christian, you'll shut your mouth like this and go, well, you know, the Lord's just not leading me. <laughs> and you do that to justify the ridiculous state that you're in because you're not living the way that you've been made. Instead of just giving yourself a gigantic divine break 
and just rest. And stop trying to live for God. Just start letting him live through you. That's, that's, boy, I'll tell you, that's the message. That's relevant, isn't it? See, Adam's sin governed his family. Adam's sin caused sin and spiritual death to reign over our old man. Why? Because we were Adam's seed. Notice I said we were Adam's seed. But I'm not Adam's seed anymore. Jesus' sacrifice received by faith causes the righteousness of God to reign over our new man. Why? Because we are Jesus' seed now. I love this. Jesus' sacrifice governs his family a lot greater than Adam's sin governs his family. Now you got to get that. Because man, there's people in people's lives right now that they're, they're on their road to hell right now and we're not saying anything to them because, well, I might not know enough. Or, are you kidding me? Listen, all the benefits that I have in Christ far exceed anything Satan has done through Adam. So I'm sorry, it doesn't, I don't care what a person says. They might look so evil, so anti-God. I'll just smile at you, have a nice day, and walk away. And I'm like, Father, in Jesus' name, send laborers across their path. Just inundate them. I remember one girl in a middle school youth group. I think I've mentioned this several times. We would go, we'd go street witnessing in Laguna Beach. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there. You know, we got, we got, I don't even know how many middle schoolers out there witnessing. And this little seventh or eighth grade girl, I can't remember what it was, what, what she was. I don't think she was sixth grade, but it was seventh grade. And man, she comes up, and here she comes walking. I mean, little thing. With a six foot 11 guy who was playing basketball. Played basketball for University of California at Irvine, just not far away. And she goes, uh, Mr. Tony, um, he wants to accept Christ. And I, I've never done that. You never really told us how to do that. Can you, can you lead him to Christ? And so here, I mean, she's like up to his knee. And I'm, I stand up, you know, and I'm 6'3". I look like a little kid. I'm like, well, I sure can. I said, you know, so what's going on with you? He goes, man, he goes, for the past year, everybody is telling me about Jesus. And I've been pushing it off and pushing it off. And finally, here I am around all these guys playing basketball. I'm waiting to get on in the next game. And this little girl walks up to me. He goes, if that's not God, <laughs> he goes, uh, I, yeah, I'm ready right now. I said, well, do you want to walk over? No, no, we're on the boardwalk at Laguna Beach. He's like, no, I don't care. I, I'm giving my heart to Christ right now. People are walking by like, whoa, what's this guy talking about? Why? Because what God did in Christ completely eradicates anything Satan could do. Man, there's people in your life that their life is messed up to the point where you look at them and go, wow, they just want nothing. They're a Satanist. They're this. They're atheists. Do you know what Satanist or atheist means? 
compared to the gospel? Absolutely nothing. It's exactly, it means the same thing when a preacher says, I'm fixing to close. Doesn't mean anything. It does not mean anything. Where did that come from? Wow. <laughs> truth. We speak the truth. That's funny. Jesus' sacrifice governs you. He carried your sickness. He bore it. He carried your pain. He was made poor so that you'd be made rich. He was made sin so that you'd be made God's very righteousness. So Romans chapter 6, verse 9, says this. It's awesome. Romans 6, 9, it says, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Would you agree with that statement? He's never going to die again, right? Death, it finishes up by saying, death hath no more dominion over him. Boy, are you starting to get excited? Because we're in him. And if death doesn't have dominion over him, death is never to have dominion over you. That's who you are. You must know that Jesus died, therefore death is once and for all defeated. Once and for all. When you identify yourself with Jesus' death, then you are no longer subject to spiritual death. It's good news, isn't it? You're no longer subject to sickness and disease and pain. Now, see, we've been hearing about this. Well, you get saved and you're saved. But for the last 300 years, we've been hearing, well, you know, God heals some and not others. So when you say that, we're not, you're not subject to sickness and disease. Right? People go, well, well, now, that sounds awesome. But there's no but in that statement. You're not subject to poverty, lack, you're no longer subject to fear and anxiety, terror, depression. You're not subject to those things anymore. Why? Because you're identified with Jesus' death. You're identified with his resurrection and his new life. You're considered the same. We're starting, that's starting to get in a little bit. We'll need longer services when it really hits us. Because what will happen, everybody will jump up screaming, run outside, run around the building, come back in. Okay, let's, let's start again. Right? I'll be saying, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Nobody will hear me say that because it will be too loud in here. Right? These things that we just mentioned, sickness, spiritual death, poverty, lack, fear, anxiety, depression, they no longer have dominion over you. You have dominion over them. Look at Romans chapter 8 through these glasses that we've been talking about. Romans chapter 8 verse 10. Romans 8 10 says this, and if Christ be in you, 
How many, is, how many of you is Christ in you tonight? He is, isn't he? He's in all of us. It says this, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. What? You mean to tell me my dead body has been ruling me? Are you kidding me? Do you get that? Your body tells you to do something. Somebody cuts you off. Don't, don't, don't let your, just tell your body, shut up, you're dead. Right? Right. Shut up, you dead body. Now you look good and you'd be full of life, but you're never going to tell me what to do. Right? I, I'm the one who, who governs you. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, is he dwelling in you? Do you know that makes you spirit-minded? Right? You're spiritually minded. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. This word means to make alive, to restore to health, to make whole your mortal body. How? By the spirit that dwells in you. Guys, I'm telling you, where we're living at the end of this church age, I believe we are going to see unprecedented sickness and disease and the only thing that's going to overshadow that is the unprecedented never seen before magnitude of the healing revival that is going to sweep across this world satan knows he doesn't have much time he's working overtime on everything to steal kill and destroy but i'm telling you the gates of hell will not prevail against the church so expect signs, wonders, miracles. And it all starts with you and I. See, when the children of Israel, when they left Egyptian bondage, they ate the Passover lamb. Guess what? We're eating them right now. None of them, every, every one of them walked out whole. There was no feeble. Isn't that amazing? You're going to see that. People are going to come to this church we're going to have a little box on our, on our guest card. Why did you come today? Here will be a box. Everybody here is, is well. Or everybody here is financially increasing. Man, I've, been, I've run into people. I mean, I, you know, I'm hearing more about this. It's hilarious. I'll go somewhere. I'm like, oh, you know, somebody from your church bought gas for me. Oh, somebody from your church did this, well, that's only going to increase. Hallelujah. Shall quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So Jesus came to give us Zoe life, which puts us in union with Christ. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, as the Father 
hath life in himself, so is he given the Son to have life in himself. But then Jesus said in John 10.10, listen, I have come that you might have life, the same kind of life, but that you might have too much of it. That's what that word more abundantly means. Because we have God's life in us, our instinct, the instinct of my spirit man is to believe and speak the word always. The instinct of, instinct of my spirit is to be unmovable in him. Never shrinking back in fear. You know, we said this, I can't remember, I think it might have been Sunday, where I, where I said, you know, hey, listen, nobody, nobody's afraid of heights, right? N nobody is. There's not one person that's afraid of heights. Nobody's afraid of flying. There, there's never been a person that's been afraid of flying. They're afraid of the plane hitting the ground at 400 miles an hour and dying in the, in the thing, Right? They're not afraid of heights. They're afraid of what happens if you fall. Fear of death. Guess what? We have been completely Amen. delivered from the fear of death. Fear of death. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. The crowning achievement of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, what is that? It's eternal life. God put in Christ everything that he wanted you and I to have. Isn't that amazing? He put it all in Christ. Your identification in, in Christ is the foundation of mind renewal. It's the foundation. Why do I present my body, Romans 12:1, a living and holy sacrifice? Why do I refuse to be conformed into the mold of the world, but I'm transformed, how? By the renewing of my mind. What is the foundation of renewing my mind? Right here. It's right here. It's my identification with Christ. So, let's look, a bit, let's look at something real quick. Let's look at some insight into the divine method of salvation. It comes from two words. The divine method of salvation. God's method of salvation. Two words. In Christ. So let's talk about this. This is talking about how not only does God save you, but it tells you how you got saved. How you were delivered. How you were redeemed, blessed, healed. How you were prospered. In Christ. This divine method, or you could say the divine process of salvation. Here's what it is. God began, began the whole process by reuniting us to himself. Through this union, he gave us his very divine life. Without this life, discipline would be futile. Right? God does not work on us until we are gradually fit enough to be united to him. That's not his method. Step number one, God says, I'm putting you, I'm going to create you in Christ. 
I'm creating. In other words, I'm going to give you everything that I have. That's step number one. Religion is exactly opposite. You know, you got to work on it. You got to do this and do that. And, you know, you could go places in the world. I think it's in Tibet. There are people that will climb a mountain, jagged rocks on their hands and knees, and if they get to the top of the mountain, they believe that all of their sins will be cleansed. And there's people that do that. Man, if I could just get to the top of the mountain. But that's not what God does. God, God says, I'm going to give you everything. That's step number one. See, if, if we don't have Zoe life, you could discipline yourself to live a good life. Good luck with that. You'll never be able to do it. But when you start out with the inside, who you really are is saturated with the love of God and the life of God and filled with the Spirit of God. Now, now that's how you start this deal. See, legalism's method, you have to be holy in order to obtain a union with God. Man is trying to, in other words, from our context, man is trying to get in Christ. You can't, you can't get in Christ. You have to be created in Christ. You can't join the church. You have to be born into it, right? This is different. Religion is always through effort and works. God's divine method of salvation is what? It's through grace. God has already done the work for us, and now he gives it all to us through his grace. It's by grace through faith. The moment you make Jesus your Lord, you are put in him and you are given access to everything that he is. Now he puts the spirit in you so that you, you have the God of heaven in you to lead you into all of it. Because how you receive these things that he's given you, I receive through faith what he's given me by his grace. But guess what? Get over this thing, my faith. No, no. The life I now live in the flesh, Paul said, I live by the faith of the Son of God, which comes how? By hearing his word. It's always in union. I love that. You have access. So now we are ready for this groundbreaking scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The scripture that we probably in the church have seen the least percentage of the revelation that's really there. And we've walked in some pretty good revelation of this scripture. A lot of people feel like they've really mastered it. Good luck with that. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, whoo, I love that if any man part, that includes everybody. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. This word new means new in kind and new in quality. 
He's a new creature. This Greek word means a new creation, a new original form, a new species that has never existed before. Why would a Christian beat himself or herself up for their past? It's because they don't know who they are. Because I'm saved. I was saved. I'm being saved. Everything. All my sins, past, present, and future have been paid for, condemned once and for all in the body of Jesus. And if I allow my flesh to operate and do some sinful or unrighteous behavior, God's given me 1 John 1, 9. Hey, Tony, if you'll just come and you'll say about that sin what I say. If you'll just confess it, hey, I'm faithful and I'm also legally justified to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Well, listen. Notice he said, cleanse you. Because see, if you clean off all the unrighteousness, guess what's there? Righteousness. You go out tomorrow and fall in a mud puddle and you're covered in mud, guess what? That doesn't mean you're not human anymore. You don't walk around going, yeah, I'm just mud. No, you're covered in it. But if you wash the mud off, guess what? You're, you're not mud. In the same way, if you confess your sin, he forgives and then cleanses you, and you're just righteous like you were before. In other words, we, we do 1 John 1, 9. Why? Actually, John said this. Now, a lot, it's really hilarious. There's teaching out there that says, oh, no, 1 John, 1, 1 John was not written to Christians. Time out. 1 John 1, 9. John said this. John had been walking with the Lord forever, right? From 13 to 16, he's probably upper 80s, 90 years old. And he didn't say, if you confess your sins. He says, if we. Can you show me one place in the Bible where it tells a sinner, somebody who doesn't know God, to confess their sins? A sinner. Could you imagine if you had to confess all your sins to get saved? We'd all be in trouble. You'd, get, you'd stand before God and he'd be like, listen, dude, you know, one time when you were 12 years old, your mom told you to pick up your room and you didn't do it. You disobeyed her. Sorry, you're going to hell forever. That just sounds so stupid. The enemy's lies are so stupid. That what we do, 1 John 1, 9 is simply, actually, if you look at the Greek language, it says, if we continually confess our sins. In other words, you know, you're going to choose wrong from time to time. God says, listen, I'm giving you this verse so that you can maintain fellowship with me. You always have relationship. But, you know, we, he wants intimate fellowship. And that's why we have that. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In other words, God deposited everything he has, everything he is in Christ, and then when you made Jesus your Lord, he put you in Christ. Actually, he created you in Christ. God sees you in Christ, so you must see yourself in him. How do you do that? You do that through his word. You see yourself through his word. You see yourself in him by the Holy Spirit leading you in this. You see yourself in him by acknowledging 
with your mouth, I am who God says I am. I have what he says he's given me, and I can do what he says I can do in him. Right? This is how you do this. You are such a new person in Christ that you will have to allow God to introduce you to yourself. It's absolutely the truth. Otherwise, if God does not introduce you, why do I say that? Because remember, this whole thing, you must have a revelation of who you are in Christ. That only comes from the Holy Spirit. You can't just figure this out intellectually. You need it to go off in your spirit. If you don't allow God to introduce you to this man that you are in Christ, you won't know who you are in him. You won't know what you've been given in him. You won't know what you can do through him and in him. You won't know that you belong to a new family, that you have a new father, that you've been washed in the very blood of Jesus, that you've been made the very righteousness of God in Christ. Wow. So what do we have to do? We simply must just put on the new man. You already are the new man, but you just got to put them on, right? God didn't have you make the clothes. I didn't make this shirt. I just put it on. You don't have to make the new man. You just have to put it on. He just told you to put them on. And guess what? Putting on the new man is about as hard as putting on your shirt. That's what Colossians tells us. It's amazing. But you have to renew your mind to know that. Remember, we've said this so many times, you can change your whole life by changing the way you think. And the word of God will renovate your thinking to change the way you think. Christ's life is in you, but you simply must put it on. Right? Boy, there's so much else I could say. I think I'll wait till next week. Hallelujah. I hope this has blessed you a little bit. I'm telling you, our identity, this is so important. You gotta know who you are in Christ. And I think we're getting to know a little bit about that, aren't we? Hallelujah.